The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Cliff Feigenbaum. He's the founder and publisher of Green Money, uh, which is an award-winning uh, e-journal and website on sustainable investing and business. Welcome to the show, Cliff. Great to be here. So let's just start with your background a little bit. You founded uh, Green Money. Uh, kind of tell us your background even before that and, and why you wanted to found it and kind of what's happened since you founded it. Well, actually, I started uh, in 1991, believe it or not, um, looking at, I was working at a hospital at the time, and I noticed my 401k plan, I wanted to kind of research it and get a little more familiar, how do I make informed financial decisions? So I started looking at the funds that were in the 401k plan and discovered that they were holding a whole bunch of tobacco stocks. And I thought, well, how inappropriate for a hospital with over a thousand employees to be investing in funds that had a lot of tobacco stocks. So that's, that's really how green money started was I wanted to make basic informed financial decisions. And I found a lot of people that were interested in not profiting from things like tobacco and how to, how to be more conscious about your money and your investing. And that's really how it started where I had no actual background in publishing, but I had a good friend who was an editor, and we put together a little six-page newsletter, and, well, it's 22 years later. <laughs> so at that time, it was called Socially Responsible Investing. That's kind of, and it really came out of several movements. I mean, the, the Quakers, I guess, originally, uh, apartheid in, in South Africa and Mandela and all that, that was kind of the beginning. So just tell us a little bit about kind of the beginnings of socially responsible investing and, and how it started getting some momentum. Well, I think you're correct where it started in the churches, actually, where people um, did not want to profit from companies using slave labor. And move that forward, there was into the, in, earlier in the, or I should say in the 1900s, where the 2000s, where people didn't want to invest in tobacco, alcohol, gambling. Well, I think they were called sin stocks at the time. And so uh, that kind of shifted over then to environmental and then the whole anti-apartheid, not investing in South Africa, really strengthened the movement of people getting conscious about where their money was, what they wanted to profit from, what business activity do you want to profit from, and what don't you want to profit from? And the, these are, to me, very uh, important movements where it's even more sophisticated today to where uh, people can really, you know, kind of move in their screens around of what is it that's important to them, what do they want to invest in, and what don't they want to invest in. The argument against socially responsible investing has always been it's going to mean lower returns because 
you're not able to comp- uh, invest in companies. You know, tobacco companies is a good example. They, they may kill people, but they're extremely profitable. They paid big dividends and all that. So you're restricting your ability to profit, and you should just invest in whatever you want and take your extra profits and contribute it to charity. That's kind of what you always hear as the best way to go and not to be restricted like this. How does the social responsible investing respond to that? Well, I think it puts you out of alignment with your personal values, that if you're profiting from something you don't believe in, to give money to something you believe in, that's kind of out of, it's inconsistent. Um, And so we don't really believe in that. And I know that Oprah or Susie Orman and, and a lot of people go with that approach. And it's, it's just not an approach that we see as an effective place because, you know, also the returns are definitely much better than they used to be. And socially responsible, sustainable investing, very solid returns, very competitive. Because look, if you'd been in oil and oil companies in the last year, you know, in the last six months, look how much money you'd lose um, just from being in that. And, and tobacco, well, again, you have to choose. I actually have some friends who said, we don't do what you do. We don't screen our money, but we've never invested in tobacco. So there they are. You know, they're making a decision uh, as a couple to not profit from this activity. And I think that that's a really important thing for people to kind of be aware. What are their values when it comes to making money? What are the differences in long-term rates of return when you compare a socially screened portfolio, and there's a lot of different indexes of that. I guess the dominant is the main one compared to the S&P 500 or non-screened index. Just generally, what kind of differences and returns are there? No, now that you've got I, a longer term to look actually, at. Actually, I think it's gotten the management has gotten so much more professional on the sustainable investing, and the indexes are um, absolutely competitive. Uh, returns are about the same. There really are. There's no penalty for uh, screening out companies like that. No, because these are bottom line issues. And this is a really important thing, Jordan, is that people don't understand that what we're screening out or what we're screening in are bottom line issues. If your company is involved in environmental damage, that is going to come back and cost the company. If your company is treating employees badly, and not promoting women effectively, that's going to come back and hurt the bottom line in the reputation of the company. We're trying to enhance companies. We're trying to enhance what they're doing in the world and how they're doing it and the process. We don't want to shut companies down. We want to make them better. So to me, this is really the future of where investing is going, is sustainable impact investing. What has been the impact on managements of companies they're getting shareholder resolutions and proxies, uh, pickets sometimes. I mean, they're getting actual uh, protests against them for not treating their employees well or environmental pollution or whatever it may be. Are management's more open to hearing this than they've been in the past? They were just bust, basically just dusted off and not really react to it much at all. But is it making an impact in corporate policies these days? Yes, I really believe it is. In fact, I think... 490, if not all, of the S&P 500 companies are releasing sustainable um, business reports. And so their sustainability reports are key to seeing how a company measures what it does, what it, its waste, its impacts, its you know, positive and negative of what it's doing in the world. So 
major corporations are really paying attention to this, and I think board of directors have to be paying attention more and more to sustainability issues because not only are they bottom-line business issues, but they're actually reputational issues too. So, you know, a Nike, a Levi, you know, where, where they manufacture and how they manufacture, these are, if, the, if it's in a bad place and it gets, you know, it's hard to hide things anymore. Um, and so these are, like I said, bottom-line issues, and we're trying to make companies better. Now, in the past, this was called socially responsible investing. That was the tape for a long time. Now, the term you use is sustainable, responsible, and impact investing. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, that transition to that new term. Sure. It kind of better explains the four parts of sustainable investing, of socially responsible investing, that you know, you screen, the first part is you screen out things, screen out behavior you don't want to be involved with with companies. So you tell your financial planner or choosing a, a sustainable mutual fund, you can pretty be, be assured that some of those bad behaviors are not in your portfolio. The second is choosing to invest in companies. Like for me, it might be renewable energy companies. It might be organic food companies, those things that I really like to profit from. Third is community and impact investing, where you bring your money home a little closer to investing in a local bank or a local loan fund or even something in Africa that has a really big impact. And some of those start as little as $20 to get involved in in impact investing. And the fourth part is shareholder activism, and that's what we touched on a little bit of. How do you shift corporate management? Well, it comes from shareholder activism that, that is, again, even more professional than it's ever been and really a, um, you know, an exciting part because it, it, uh, there's a lot of school. There's so much money out there that can move corporate management from state money. You know, CalPERS, if they say something that they don't like or do like, um, it really can move the marketplace. So tell us a little bit about the amount of money that's now uh, invested according to these principles compared to what it was, say, 20 years or so ago, and how much that's grown. Well, it really has grown, and that's been the most exciting part of this, being in this movement for 20 years, kind of watching it, waiting for the real growth. And right now, it has moved up to $6.5 trillion uh, is now involved in sustainable investing. That is now one out of every $6 under management in the United States has some level of screening on it, some level of community involvement, impact involvement, or, or involvement in shareholder activism. So it is uh, grown, assets in this has grown 76% during 2013 and 2014. And it's, it's really the, I think it shows uh, where the trends are going. And where would that have been, say, 20 years or so ago? Well, it was more one in every, I think it's about uh, doubled. So it was about, I think it was one in every $12. And then it was one in every $10. And then it, now it's up to one in every $6. It has some screening. So, um, so those trillions are, uh, are adding up. And, and schools and churches and major institutional investors are moving towards this. In fact, Morgan Stanley just opened an Institute for Sustainable Investing. 
um, to kind of learn about this more. So we see a lot of mainstream uh, firms getting involved in this, not just the some of the uh, funds that have been with sustainable investing for for up to thirty years. And how big could this be, say, in ten years? Oh, it could double again, uh, because. When we talk about trends, we see two or three major things happening, and that shift in the wealth transfer in this country over the next 20 years is going to be 20 to 40 trillion dollars. And women and millennials really like sustainable investing because it can reflect their values much closer than you know just putting your money into some miscellaneous thing on Wall Street. You can actually, uh, you know, guide Wall Street a little bit and, and profit with principles. And um, so we see this, uh, an unlimited amount of growth. And what a key point that we were reading about in a recent study was that 80% of people inheriting their wealth, family wealth, actually change financial firms and change brokers. So, the more and more that financial professionals can be aware of what's happening in sustainable investing and using green money as a, as a resource is really going to be good for their business long-term because there's going to be so many people looking with new assets, inherited assets, that are going to be looking for answers. When you started this in 1992, did you think it would ever get this big? <laughs> I've been waiting, you know. Yeah, you know, I really did because I really saw that this made so much sense to me personally and to uh, lots of people that I was talking to. So I'm very pleased with the growth and and really have seen green money itself um, drawing so much more attention and so much more visibility and impact than it than it ever has. And so us as a monthly e-journal versus a quarterly newsletter, um, we're, uh, we're going out to 25,000 folks now on a monthly basis and, and just fantastic writers. So, yeah, the growth is uh, uh, we're continually preparing for, for future growth. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Cliff Feigenbaum. He's the founder and publisher of Green Money which is a a journal, an e-journal, and website about sustainable investing and business. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. It's a sad fact that fraud is rampant in today's business environment. The headlines scream about once prestigious organizations falling victim to or crumbling due to the consequences of fraud. How do you keep fraud from affecting you and your business? Tune in to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Chris has over 30 years of fraud investigation experience, business intelligence, and is a renowned security consultant. Chris and his guests will inform you and help keep you from being the next statistic of fraud. Tune in Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Cliff Feigenbaum. He's the founder and publisher of Green Money, uh, which is an e-journal and website on sustainable investing and business. And you can go to greenmoney.com to find out more about what he's doing. Welcome back to the show, Cliff. Good to be here. So we want to talk about the practicalities of people who want to invest in what we've talked about, the social screen. Maybe let's just do some basics of what are some of the uh, you said the first step is to screen out. What are the things that are screened out uh, that if your people invest this way, they're not going to be investing in? Uh, I would say tobacco, alcohol, gambling, environmental polluters, weapons manufacturers, um, you know, pe- companies that use sweatshops. Those are, you know, um, companies that don't have a lot of diversity in management, like they don't have any women on their board or something like that, um, those are some of the issues. Okay. And what are some of the ones if they want to actively uh, invest in something, not that's not doing something bad, but something that is environmentally responsible, what are some of those areas? Well, that's where it's really become much more sophisticated and much more professional, where it's not just one set of values, you know, over the different funds, but now there's over 200 different funds, and so you can get kind of specific from water to agriculture is starting to move really into organic agriculture, and so there's there's a variety of things. So for me, you know, I really like environmentally responsible companies, so I like um, renewable energy. I really like organic food companies. You know, I've been a long time holder of Whole Foods, and so because I really see that as a trend that is not going away because it, it hits on so many levels that I think are important to people from, from your personal health to the health of the land 
to the health of the animals, to the health of the farm workers, to using water effectively. These are these are positives, and uh, so I like to invest in things that have a lot of different positives to them. I'll say. And then the third part of socially responsible impact investing is local impact. So what would be some categories of companies that would have a positive local impact if you want to encourage that kind of thing? Well, impact investing is more of not necessarily a Fortune 500 company, but there's actually investment notes with folks like Calvert Foundation or Vested.org that you can get into for as little as $20. Um, there's solar bonds by Solar City. There's a variety of different ways that we cover in Green Money that help people kind of understand that if you're going to do something in addition to investing on Wall Street, impact investing has really, really taken off and really has a lot more options, but um, that can range anywhere from $20 to $1,000 for a, a Calvert investment note. Here in, in Santa Fe, where I live, there's an organization called HomeWise that gets people involved in home ownership. But before the home ownership, it's financial literacy and getting their credit and their finances well in order so that they do, when they go in to uh, buy this home, they really understand what it takes and how to keep it. And um, so they have an investment note at HomeWise. So that's something... I've personally invested in because, well, it's local, and it's really making a difference for people's lives. So I think when they say impact investing, it's really about having an impact on people's lives, and so it can be somewhere local or it can be international, um, as well as, you know, I, th- I think that in a lot of ways, we have as much need for money in Detroit as they do in Africa. So I really like to bring my money a little bit closer to home with my impact investing. And the fourth part was uh, shareholder activism. So uh, this is like proxy statements and things like that, or, or votes on proxies. What are some of the trends in proxies being brought to companies these days to make them behave in a more socially responsible way? Well, I think that uh, any environmental issues are really important. Diversity of management, workforce, board, you know, making sure that there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, competent and capable women it you know in all of those key positions because I think it helps companies have a well-rounded point of view when there's men and women running companies um, and so there's all kinds of different things being filed boy I'll tell you it is a an active shareholder season every time and we see more and more you know, big numbers. Uh, And so, you know, there's even topics like stranded assets at oil companies. You know, what is the impact of an oil company having? And so can you file a shareholder resolution for them to report their environmental footprint? And so it's really getting more sophisticated and and more interesting all the time on what uh, companies are being asked to disclose because they're publicly traded Companies, meaning they publicly should disclose uh, things like pay of their CEO and how much another issue that's really, really big right now is political donations, political money disclosure of major corporations. Publicly traded companies are giving 
political parties a huge amount of money to influence these political parties. So if they're publicly traded, they should be disclosing who and what they're giving these money, this money to. And traditionally, a lot of these things have been brought up and not getting many votes. Are some of these things now actually passing or having a lot of momentum and changing corporate behavior when they have these uh, proxy votes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're being brought by so many different places and uh, different organizations that, yes. Um, the what what would be some examples recently, uh, examples of things that, that won that in the past probably would not have won? Well, I think um, the political disclosure is really, really getting a lot of numbers well over the, I think, what do you have to get, uh, 5 to 10% of, uh, to have it um, then go on the board or on the slate for the next year. So it's an ongoing thing that the more momentum you can bring um, to the awareness of the shareholders, maybe the shareholders don't even know that they should be concerned about the political donations or even thinking that their company is giving political uh, money. And what is the pay of the CEO? And should that be publicly disclosed? All the pay. And so what's the pay of the company from the highest to the lowest? It's, um, these are, again, bottom line issues that really can uh, affect, as a shareholder, these things affect your your you know, profitability. Yes. So for somebody who wants to do socially conscious investing themselves but can't spend the time doing all these social screens, uh, what are some, uh, uh, how can they track all the different mutual funds that are out there? Because you say there's over 200 of them at this point. How can they kind of see what their performance is, what they screen for, kind of get into that whole world of socially conscious mutual funds? Well, um, there's a couple of resources. As a financial professional, um, one of really good resources is Social Investment Forum, and that's for professional, uh, institutional, as well as uh, financial um, professionals that want more information and want an organization. They have an annual conference in Chicago um, this May. I'll be attending that, but they have a nice mutual fund chart on uh, their website is ussif.org. But any of this information, people can contact me and it's cliff at greenmoney.com and let me know. And if they have a question, and I'd be sure happy to answer it. The other resource is uh, socialfunds.com. They have a great mutual fund chart that uh, really covers the performance and lists uh, all of these different funds. And so I'd recommend that as another resource. And you can always link to that through we always have it as part of our monthly um, e-journal. So that's uh, something people can find, like with our brand new uh, our March issue on water. What are some of the big mutual fund companies at this point that are actively offering socially responsible mutual funds? Well, some of the big names are Calvert Mutual Funds. People are probably really aware of that one. Uh, it's, it's been around a long time. Pax World Funds is another one of my uh, personal favorites. I've been a long-time investor. Domini Social Investments, uh, Parnassus. Um, and uh, so there's Green Century. If you want to get even more specific, like we talked about before, where different funds are 
getting more sector-oriented. So even within Calvert, they have probably, what, 12 different, 20 different funds, but you can actually get their global water fund if that's of something that's interest to you. And are some of the traditional fund companies, Vanguard, Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, those kind of things, are they offering socially responsible funds as well? Uh, yes, there's a, a variety of uh, Vanguard, I think, has a couple, um, but I think more of that is in the private management, uh, private money management side where you can do the screening. So Dreyfus has uh, a third century fund that's been around for a very long time, I think since, you know, an anti-Vietnam. Uh, so some of these funds really started, as the Dreyfus Fund did, as a, a place where who people didn't want to invest in the war machine. Um, and so they had an option, and so Dreyfus is one of those. But um, Morgan Stanley is, is getting involved with a recent uh, launching uh, of an institute for sustainable investing. So again, I think it's moving through their organization's but they haven't necessarily launched a specific fund. If you, if you want a pure play, go to the places like you mentioned, like Calvert, Pax, Domini, Parnassus, and so on. Those are the kind of pure plays on this. Yeah, yeah. And they, they've been around for a really long time. And um, we do you know, all kinds of different articles uh, with their management uh, at a variety of different times. So, so we can, uh, uh, people can sure stay up to date when they go to greenmoney.com. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Cliff Feigenbaum. He's the founder and publisher of Green Money, uh, which is an e-journal and website about sustainable investing and business. You can find out more at greenmoney.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day. And we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Cliff Feigenbaum. 
He's the founder and publisher of Green Money, uh, which is an e-journal and website based on sustainable investing and business, and the website is greenmoney.com. Welcome back to the show, Cliff. All right. I'm glad to uh, continue this conversation. So there's some specific areas in sustainable investing I wanted to talk about. One of them, your most recent issue, is about the future of water. So water is <laughs> can be very controversial these days. What are some things that sustainable investing are looking for to do to improve the you know, use and distribution of water and prevent the pollution of water, and how is that affecting investments? Well, I think we have to look at, you know, we were very, very excited to do this topic. And we had never done this topic before, but we thought water needs its own issue. This is vital to all life on the planet, and we hear so much about pollution. We hear so much about trains blowing up, you know, oil trains that are leaking into rivers. And so we approached Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., of the Water Keepers Alliance, who are doing things all over the world to keep river and bays and oceans clean and bring those people who are polluting them, like uh, the Hudson River folks, to, um, you know, bring them to justice. Companies like General Electric and others that have polluted rivers and, and such for, for years and decades. And so his organization, he really talked about the power of water and how water is being, well, bought up by international conglomerates now um, from uh, companies in the United States who have these water licenses but are selling those licenses to international conglomerates, and it's, it's just wrong. So it, it's something that he really went powerfully into, and that's why it's called the power of water, so I'd encourage people to, to look so, at that. So are there some positive and negative uh, investing implications? Are there are some companies... That if you want to do the right thing in water, you'd invest in, and the companies who are doing the wrong thing, you'd want to disinvest in? How, how does that work on the investment side of it? Well, on the investment side, we're really looking at a couple of, of, of funds like the Calvert Global Water Fund or the PAX World um, has an emerging uh, technologies fund, the emerging markets fund that gets into water. So we see this as just really as a place that's beginning to have investing in water infrastructure and technologies, as well as, um, you know, what is the potential of water? I think it's really, you know, I live in the Southwest, and water has a really different definition to us here because we are looking to the skies, we're looking to the snowpack. The vulnerability of living somewhere where there's not enough water is really scary because I came from the Northwest, and there was... Washington water power, you know, we're using so much water, they use it to make electricity. In the Southwest, it's it's totally different. So drought concerns, um, and, you know, water for food and water for animals uh, for food is just a, you know, this is an ongoing topic, and it seems to be something where the investment conversation is just starting to be flushed out. How's that? (laughs) <laughs> very, very good analogy there. <laughs> and let's talk about agriculture related to water here. Uh, what is being done in the sustainable agriculture area 
again, as it relates to investment, are there some companies that are doing good things there and people are against uh, modified uh, genomic things? What, what is going on with sustainable agriculture and investing? Well, I think that we see uh, more and more funds getting involved, uh, not mutual funds, but actual uh, Iroquois, Iroquois Valley Farms uh, is a, a place that has an investment note. Um, and Farmland LP is another one. So we see the slow money movement uh, getting involved in investing in agriculture and local agriculture uh, projects. And so, again, this is that part of the sustainable organic food movement that is, you know, got, you know, there's more and more whole foods all the time. There's, you know, now Walmart is holding and having more and more organics because their customers are asking for it. Well, that, those products have to be grown somewhere. So the organic acreage is moving forward and increasing all the time. It takes three years to transfer a, a field from um, regular agriculture to sustainable organic agriculture and be certified. So these are, uh, you know, young farmers are much more interested in sustainable ag than they've ever been. And so this is, again, a, a growing trend area like we talked about earlier, some of the trends with millennials and women. Another area you had on your previous issue was about faith and investing. As you said, this really, this movement started in the churches a long time ago, and I get kind of had its apex with uh, apartheid and all that. What are some of the areas that religious groups are pushing these days uh, for and pushing against in investing? Well, we decided again to do uh, our first ever faith-based or you know, faith-based investing has really grown and has continued to grow because so many churches are involved with, um, from an institutional level all the way down to, you know, screening it at the local church. What is it that their monies should be investing in and what shouldn't they be investing in? What do they want to support and what don't they want to support? And so when we talked about that this originally started, I believe, with the Quakers and, and really didn't, you know, investing in companies that didn't use slave labor. And then it kind of moved to human rights as a, as a big part of the conversation and environmental rights. Because if you believe that God gave us a planet to, have, to be stewards of and not dominion over, that stewardship is really, really an important thing. And so how does your money reflect your faith and your values? And so that's a, an ongoing conversation. And many times we hear also at shareholder activist meeting, we hear about nuns standing up and talking to CEOs about what they're doing because, um, well, they know they'll be treated a little bit more respectfully. <laughs> One particularly controversial area today is Israel. And there's a whole disinvestment movement of not investing in Israel because of what they've done to Gaza and so on. What is the state of the socially conscious movement relating to Israel? You know, that's really not a, a place where there's been a whole lot of conversation at our conferences around um, pro or, or con for Israel. I know that there has been some conversation around, like, Caterpillar as a company because they, you know, the Israeli army uses Caterpillar to, you know, uh, bulldoze a lot of the Gaza homes and, and different things. So 
it's not an area that I would say is is right on the edge and tip of the tongue of the uh, of the SRI movement uh, at this time. There have definitely been some colleges, or at least pressure from students, to disinvest in Israel uh, because of Gaza and all that. I mean, maybe yeah, it's not. you know, and I think that that there's also a you know you bring up a really really good point about disinvestment, and um, because that is one of the fastest growing movements that we've seen with folks at 350.org and and uh, college campuses all over the country because colleges have endowments and they have a lot of money uh, to invest and how do they invest? Are they reflecting the students' values of the university? And so we've seen a great movement around divesting from oil companies and from natural, I mean from fossil fuel companies. And so that has been something that we see some colleges saying yes, that they will divest, and some saying no, they will not divest, like I believe Harvard said no, um, and so they're going to hold their oil stocks. And so, Another big area related to all this is the Keystone Pipeline. Has that been a galvanizing force, both for and against uh, where to invest in companies related to that? You know, a bit, but again, it's, a, it's fairly small. It, it does have a uh, rallying cry with uh, certain folks to really look at what is our energy future. So when we talk about divestment, we have to look at the other side. If you're going to divest from a company and you have this, then you have these assets sitting in cash. What do you invest in? So there's a whole other side of this, of the reinvestment side of the divestment conversation. And so how do you look at mutual funds like Green Century or new alternatives funds that are investing in uh, renewable energy companies, in water companies, in organic food companies, into things that you want to support. So there's some sectors there that, that you know, again, the SRI funds are getting a little more specific to where you can take those divestment dollars and move them into places you want to be. The traditional view uh, would be with oil prices falling and down to $50 a barrel or thereabouts, that it's going to be very hard for solar companies or kind of alternative energy companies to make it because they basically rely on subsidies and they're not economic with oil as low as it is. How does the uh, socially responsible investment movement respond to that? Well, these are long-term trends. Um, I think that uh, more and more people... I live in New Mexico where there's 300-plus days of sunshine, and we're 1% solar. That is ridiculous because it's, it is a resource, a valuable, valuable resource that could be used, and I think it will be going forward. I don't think the oil-based economy is the only economy. that It was something that was created. It's been very effective, but it also has a huge environmental footprint, and we talk about environmental footprint, we talk about fracking, we talk about, um, you know, coal. Here in the, you know, the Southwest, they, what was it, National Geographic came up about a month ago and said the biggest methane bubble in the United States sits over the Four Corners area, the methane gas from fracking. There's 20,000 fracking wells around this area. And, is that really the best way to get our energy? Because it's not coming for, 
for free. These are externalities. These are costs that the companies are not paying that they're the effect on health in the Four Corners area around where the coal plants are. These are externalities that companies are pushing onto society. Yes, there's benefits, but there's also costs to using fossil uh, fuels. Indeed. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Cliff Feigenbaum. He's the founder and publisher of Green Money, uh, which is an e-journal and website about sustainable investing in business. You can find out more at greenmoney.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Cliff Feigenbaum. He's the founder and publisher of Green Money, uh, which is an e-journal and website about sustainable investing in business, and the website is greenmoney.com. Welcome back to the show, Cliff. All right. So another area we wanted to talk about are what are called micro-investing, um, or micro-funding in many cases. This is where you can invest very small amounts, particularly in the third world and so on. So tell us a little bit about that trend and how can one invest in this whole trend of uh, micro-investing? Well, it's kind of um, actually come with a new term now called microfinance. And uh, so this is something that is, is going around, going on around the world. And in the United States, uh, there's a lot happening. Uh, some folks over at the Calvert Foundation want something called
called vested.org and another one called ours2own.org, and there are ways to invest in uh, local communities for as little as $20. And, you know, this all started uh, um, kind of internationally with Grameen Bank, uh, founded by Mohammed Yunus. And um, there's a new movie out uh, called Bonsai People that is a story about Mohammed Yunus, and we did an interview with the, the filmmaker who actually did an interview with Mohammed Yunus for us uh, in one of our past issues. And so it's a way for really showing how you can impact people's lives just with a $50 loan. Um, and a $50 investment can change how a village uh, deals with its water supplier, deals with its food supplier, deals with you know really empowering women to start their own cooperative. I believe there was... A, uh, a show called Madam Secretary on CBS some weeks ago that actually got into microfinancing and talking about this. And so uh, saw it on Bloomberg Television the other night about microfinance. So it's really a, a conversation that a lot more people, because you know mutual funds started maybe $1,000 to get started. And so this way, more people can be involved in, in microfinance um, so you not only have a good impact, you are getting interest, and the, the repayment rate is quite good on these loans. Is that correct? People might think, Absolutely. oh, you're going to give your money to India. You're never going to get it back. You know, uh, as I mentioned, the HomeWise uh, fund that I invested in here has a 96% uh, repayment rate, which for a mortgage-based fund, that is an incredible, uh, it's the highest uh, you know, repayment rate of any fund across the country, and so they're really proud of this, so they're generating a lot of interest and a lot of money in the fact that people are really happy to get these loans, and so they're repaying their loans. So how does the individual, say an individual American wants to do uh, a microfunding uh, loan, how do they go about doing it in, in a responsible way? Well, uh, we're, we have... Uh, different articles all the time, but I would check out vested.org. Uh, I would check out homewise.org um, and just keep up, you know, sign up for our free e-newsletter and we're, we're always having articles about this because it's something that, that people can really um, be involved with. The Calvert Foundation's website is a great resource for uh, microfinance uh, information as well. Okay, good. Now, there's another trend within all of what you're talking about, which you call resilient investing. Maybe describe briefly what's difference about resilient versus sustainable investing, and what are some of the outcomes of uh, resilient investing? Well, resiliency is a term that has really uh, gained a lot of ground because sustainability is interesting. But if you have a you know a sustainable marriage, how interesting is that versus a resilient marriage? You know or how, how do you deal with things in the world? Because the world, well, it's kind of an unpredictable place. And, and so uh, some friends of mine wrote a book called uh, The Resilient Investor. It's just out. It's an excellent uh, book talking about all the different aspects, not just your you know, financial assets, but what are your tangible assets? What are your personal assets that you bring to the world and what is it that, you know, your health and your wealth, how do you measure those and kind of understand in the context of, you know, this financial world that we live in, 
how do you be a resilient investor and how do you have more resilience in your life, kind of preparing for the ups and downs and kind of understanding what it is that you bring what are so your strengths and what are your weaknesses around It's not only like talking about money, though. It's not only like talking about investing. It's talking about investing your career and your interests and, and investing all of you, not just the, the dollars you have. Is that right? Correct. You know, it's about your life. How do you shop with your values? How do you, you know, do you have a home that's energy efficient, which is an absolute financial, you know, a lot of these things are bottom line. Uh, oriented, but also, you know, your personal and spiritual growth in your career, like you said, and your family, um, as well as, you know, microfinance and, and SRI and, and local investing. It's, it's really about a holistic look at being resilient when it comes to money and investing. What's so interesting about this whole movement is that there's a lot of momentum to it, yet there are places in the world, China comes to mind, India comes to mind, you know, terribly polluted, wildly overcrowded, uh, where there may be some good things going on, but mostly it's pretty bad. I mean, they're building coal plants in China, lots of pollution there. Um, so it, it, it's, this, this movement's made a lot of progress, but there's a long way to go, it seems to me, in, uh, on the international front in, in making an impact. I would agree. I would agree. I feel like we're just scratching the surface. And I feel very optimistic. Yes, there is a lot of problems in the, in the world, and you've mentioned just a few of them, but there's also a lot of people coming up with some really, really good ideas and really good uh, solutions to these problems. And so I think it's uh, the call of our generation is to create an energy source that doesn't kill us and, uh, you know, slow or fast and how to get us out of the Middle East with, a, you know, how do we become energy independent in America without environmental damage? These are, these are big Big questions, and, you know, it's fun to, to be part of what I think is the, you know, the next revolution of the financial marketplace and, and really bringing the wall and Wall Street down so that more and more people can participate. In summing all this up, what kind of a difference can it make for individuals who want to invest according to these principles we've been talking about, both as far as the impact they make and the kind of returns they can get? Because in the past, their image might be, well, if I do that, I'm going to get much lower returns by not investing in some of the most profitable companies out there. As we've talked about, this is uh, the rate of return is very competitive for these socially screened, environmentally screened, sustainable, responsible impact funds uh, because these they screen out a lot of the problems, a lot of the expensive, difficult lawsuit areas that companies are dealing with. So you don't deal with a company who's got uh, personnel lawsuits or environmental lawsuits or tobacco lawsuits or, you know, is involved in, in the war machine. And, and it just is something that people can choose for themselves to live in alignment with their values and with their money. Make a big difference for a lot of people. Thank you so much. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, my guest this hour has been Cliff Feigenbaum. He's the founder and publisher at Green Money, uh, which is a e-journal and also a website about sustainable investing and business, all the things we've been talking about here. Uh, they've been publishing since 1992. You can find out more at his website, which is greenmoney.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Cliff. Thank you. 
And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.